Welcome to episode 210 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today is part one of a two-part outfield preview that Bubba and I are going to do as part of episode 114 of Bubba and the Batflip. Uh, We'll take a look at the first 35 outfielders, and then next week we will take a look at uh, the next uh, few groupings of outfielders, as well as uh, pick some of our our favorites who are going later on in drafts. So hope you enjoy this two-part preview. As always, if you do enjoy the podcast, please do go to um, uh, iTunes or your preferred podcast platform and give us a rating and review. Always appreciate that. You can reach me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. You can reach Bubba on Twitter at BDNTrek. Let's get this party started. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub and the Bat Flip, episode 114. We've made it through the infield. We're heading to the outfield, the deep, deep, dark spots of the outfield. It's going to be a multi, multi-episode. multi This will be part one of the outfield, see how far we get through the first, you know, 20 to 30 ADP in the NFBC. But uh, we're going to keep getting you ready as if there is going to be a start to this season sometime soon. That's the optimism we have to keep for now. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BDentric and my co's helping me break it all down on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Toby, how are we doing, man? We're doing pretty well, Bubba. Obviously, um, well, we're gonna keep it up. We're gonna keep yep. it. We're gonna keep, keep it, it light. We're gonna keep it light and fun. Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, in a draft, another draft champions right now. I, I got a nine pack of those, and I think this is my seventh or something like that. So, got a little bit of a slow start to the season, but um, starting to pick pick it up a little bit and enjoying that, getting a feeling for. Kind of the draft room, seeing guys move up and down the boards. It's it's um it's fun. So all we need is baseball now, um, and I think we're we're ready to go. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I got like this uh, thing with our buddy Kang from uh, the Barf League. He does some stuff on baseball three sixty five, and I won the league last year. So I'm in the Champions League. So I'm doing that draft. Oh damn. Um, yeah, just, you know, you got to say that. But then I'm doing Rat Slam, which is a totally different animal. And it's so funny. People don't know the format very well. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, just trust me. This is, it's different. It's very, very different. It's cut line. So, um, and then most importantly, next time we record, we're hopefully at least 10 picks in each of TGFBI because that starts on Monday, slow draft. But uh, yeah, we got that kicking off on Monday, which will be fun. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, industry stuff. Labor mixed draft took place on uh, Tuesday night. We have, Tout Wars, I think I'm drafting on the second. You start drafting here pretty soon. Drafting on the first, yeah. I have TGFBI yeah. starting next week and uh and and um um why am I forgetting what it's called? Tout Wars and Tout, Tout Wars right. draft and hold starting. So I'll have some concurrent slow drafts going for sure. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot going on pretty soon. So yeah, let's get baseball. Let's make it happen. You rich, rich people, you. So um, we'll go there. But before we go to the players in the outfield, it's a very deep position. There's pockets of it. There's a lot of guys go early. You can wait. There's different ways to get category pieces you're looking for, which we'll obviously hit on throughout these couple episodes. 
But uh, before we get going, what's just your overall philosophy in the outfield? Because with starting five guys, um, some people think you really got to attack it early and often. Some think it's so deep you can kind of wait. Different ways to do it, of course. How do you approach the outfield? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's some really good outfielders early on. And I think there's, I don't know. I kind of like outfield. I kind of like outfield deep. I think there are, you know, I I've always, I always like come into things and I'm like a little bit concerned about the position because one thing you have to be aware of is just the platoons, right? There's so many, you run out of guys after a certain point who are playing every day, but I think there are some really interesting profiles later on in the draft. I know we won't get to a lot of those folks, um, on this podcast, probably because we're going to focus on the first uh, the first groups of folks. But um, generally, with the outfield position, I can go early, I can go late. I'm pretty flexible. Like in the league that I um, the league that I'm in right now, I just drafted my first outfielder, and I'm at that was at pick like 154 or something like that. And I'm not that too concerned. I feel like there are some really nice pockets of you know like perceived value where. You know, my spreadsheet is telling me that there's, you know, that there's some some value on the board there, especially in kind of those middle rounds for some outfielders. And then there's some later targets that I think if you're weak at different spots, you you can you can address some of that weakness later on in the draft. So I've heard I know that a lot of people aren't a fan of outfield. They want to get outfielders early as well. And I can definitely see that because there's such high quality guys there. But I really feel like outfield is a position that I'm going to be flexible within the draft. If it looks like the outfielders are there early, I'm feeling good. I'm fine taking that. But if I, if, if it's between that and some of the infield positions that I'm trying to fill first or catcher, then, you know, uh, I may wait a little while to get outfield just because I do like um, some of those kind of middle tier and later tier guys. How about you? Yeah, we're pretty much on the same page. Like in, in years past, I tried to make it a point to get a couple big outfielders early and kind of get that like base in your outfield position. But the more we talk about it and the more at least I grow as a player, I got some more roster construction in my head. You, you've always been a roster construction guy, and we've we've talked about it some like you I think you said it best, um, that it's you know, it's more about uh, the total of your categories, not total of how your how your positions are filled out, basically. Like fill out your roster over just you know, filling out uh, different positions. So I've done different ways in the drafts. Like you said, I think it's more about if it falls. Sure. I got no problem jumping on them, but there is like some really good pockets as you go through. There have some really quality outfielders that they might not be the five category guys, obviously that you're getting early on, but that's how it is at every position. But at least like those outfielders that you're getting later in the draft is going to be much better than like third base options or like other options. So it definitely changes the way you want to approach things. I know some of my DCs I've done, I've gone outfield heavy early and I, my, I don't mind my team, but I know as I got deeper in the draft, I'm like, I still like so many of these outfielders. And I really don't like these other guys. Like, I really don't like them, but I know I have to take them. Where if I was going, kind of spreading it out and, you know, cherry picking an outfielder here and there and filling the other spots, like you said, it's a lot more comforting team. Let's put it that way. Does it mean it's the better team? We'll see. But it does. Uh, it, it leaves you many more options. I just know, like, there were points last year. That's why I think, I think it feels a little different this year. There were points last year as drafts went on, I was nervous I wasn't going to have enough outfielders because like it felt like it was drying up faster. The quality was drying up faster last year where this year for some reason it feels like it's just deeper than ever. Maybe it's because there's more platooning in baseball, so we're not expecting X amount of batting like at-bats. So you're kind of cool with like 450 compared to 550, 600. I don't know, but 
I think the later you go, there are some good pockets, as you mentioned. So we'll get to those next week for sure, but we've got some fun ones early on here to talk about the names that most people will know. And for those keeping track at home, I'm using Draft Champions ADP since February 9th, two weeks ago. Gives us 12 completed drafts at the time of this recording. And if you're listeners from last season, you'll know how we do this. We go groups of five, and we'll kind of just hit on these guys. So the first group, ADP one, or outfielder one through five, according to ADP, got Fernando Tatis Jr. going around pick two, Juan Soto around pick six, Ronald Acuna Jr. around pick eight. And that's been climbing up, which is good to see. Uh, Bryce Harper about ten and a half, and Kyle Tucker has creeped into a solid fit. It's not even that close anymore, a little past ADP 11. So most people know these guys, but how are you kind of approaching these big five outfielders that at least four are usually going in the first round, sometimes five? Yeah, I think they're all good. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I mentioned before, like I think Tatis Jr. is is the best player in fantasy without the shoulder issue. And so it's just a matter of whether you want to take that risk, which I think is a little bit overblown. I'm not as concerned about that. I drafted him at the four spot in one of my DCs. Um, so I feel pretty good about him. Swan Juan Soto, I think is also obviously really good. I don't think you can really find any faults in him at all. The only question is, you know, what the stolen base total is going to be. I think that's going to drive a lot of the value for him. He's going to have high batting average. He's going to get you the counting stats, you know, um, 12 steals in 2019, nine steals in 2021, you know, projected by the bad X for 11, you know, so that's only the real question. But again, like I do think that you can make speed up later on in the draft, you know, it just comes with warts and we've, we've talked about that um, extensively. Uh, Acuna is obviously there's the injury issue and that's why his, his ADP had been suppressed for a while. We now see him moving up steadily, like you mentioned before up to about eighth um, in terms of ADP. I think the major question that I have with Acuna and the reason I haven't gone with him yet is that is this is, is mostly the speed. I mean, that speed is going to be really important um, for driving his value, not just the like elite levels of speed, um, but um, uh, you know, he, 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 he has a good batting average, but he doesn't necessarily have the same elite batting average as guys going in this range. And so the speed I think is going to be important um, for him. And there's just so many question marks about it. I'm not sure I see, I haven't seen yet, at least. Um, I haven't seen like a need based on who else is around um, this area in going with, with Acuna, but I'm also comfortable going with pitching early on. Um, so, and then with Harper and Tucker, I think the thing with Harper, you know, I've drafted him, I think in one or two drafts. Um, the thing with Harper is I think we can very clearly see now that he had one outlier season of 249. Um, and I mean, and 243 back in 2016, I guess, but he's been 260 or above in, you know, five of the last six seasons, um, five of the last seven seasons as well. And so the floor is pretty high for him from a batting average perspective. And then the ceiling we've seen, you know, just as many 300 plus seasons for him as well. I don't think you project that you don't expect that to happen, but there's that. And then ever since he's been to the Phillies, like the, the steals haven't really been a, 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 a question, right? He's got 15 and 13 and then he had eight in the shortened season. So you're getting those, you know, 15, 13 steals, which is nice, slightly more than, 
Soto, but again, not having the batting average um, that's there necessarily, but pretty similar home run and, and run and RBI totals. And then on Kyle Tucker, uh, I just think he's he's a really complete package for me. Like the batting average is going to be high, barring some bad luck. The home run totals and the steals are not going to be as lead as the other guys. He should move up at least one spot in the order to sixth. We've seen what he can do in seventh. So I like Kyle Tucker as well. I'm fine drafting him in the first round. I have not done it yet, um, but he also hasn't been available to me when I was drafting in those situations or I went with starting pitching. So, you know, that's kind of those first five. That's my general synopsis on those. Yeah, they're all, like you said, very good. I, I have shares of three of the five. I don't have any Tatis because if I'm that early, I'm taking like Trey Turner or some, or Jay Ram. So I just haven't fell on Tatis to where I'm at in drafts, but I've, I'm with you kind of, it's, he's one of those guys that you just take, we talked about him a lot. We you take the chance because the ceiling's ridiculous. So go for it. But I love Juan Soto. People know that by now, especially in OBP leagues for tout wars. I have the number two overall pick. I had, I got him last year. Going to go for him again this year. I love Juan Soto. Um, he, he's an OBP genius. Bad average is great. The concern I have for him. And I, I agree with some of the masses that are preaching it is the supporting cast may really, really hurt those counting stats. And that is the only concern I have. And it's probably a very like nitpicky concern. If you're trying to decipher between the crew, I would still take Juan Soto ahead of these guys. If you can just know that going into it, it may be murky water at times when it comes to run production and RBIs and that's in that sort. So that's why Bryce Harper MVP, we know what you get. You said it, you pretty much know what you're getting from Bryce Harper now. Uh, you're going to get like 11, 12, 13 steals. You're going to get the power. He's going to be five categories and awesome. But the unicorn in the room and the potential guy that might be a top five pick next year is Kyle Tucker. Uh, we've we've talked about him time and time again, and other shows have as well. But um, he is the five tool player. He is that good. The questions that uh, I see out there, which are great questions, are where does he hit in the order? Because you got guys like Curlin who's followed things, and you could they've seen him potentially at second or third. But you know, if there's no Correa in company, do they make him fourth or fifth? Like there's all, and then there's I think roster resource I think has him at like sixth right now. So there's all kinds of ideas. That's where spring training would be great. Let's get an idea. Where's it going to be hitting? Because um, I don't think it's going to move him too much. He's already a late first round pick. But if you start seeing he's be like steady in that third, fourth spot in that order. So that means the RBI production can continue to climb. It's it's amazing, um, but he's 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 got more steals upside than Bryce Harper. Power I think is pretty pretty much similar. His bad average is same, maybe better. It's gonna be pretty close. It's the counting stats is where Harper I think gets him for now, but that could easily change if he's in the right situation in Houston. So um, Tucker could be that guy, and it's not like a big you know bold bold call, but he could be like that top five pick next year that you're going man, I should have taken him late instead of like debating between him and Mookie Betts or something else. But here we are. So, yeah, all these guys are great. They're going kind of in the order you think they should. Tucker's the only one. If you want to kind of hop them, you can. I skipped over Acuna like a dummy. I have no shares of Acuna. and I, It terrifies me to have no shares of Acuna. I love Ronald Acuna. But you hit on it, Toby, that I think he's still going to be very good. I just am worried, when does he start running? Because he might play early, but when does he start running? Because that's the the perk of having Acuna. That's why he, used, he was in the conversation for the number one overall pick last year, 30-30, 40-40. I don't think that's happening this year. You'd be happy with 20 steals if you can get there. So I'll be okay being wrong. Our buddy Matty Wood, he's in love with Acuna. So take your, take your picks there. 
All right, six through ten. We got Mookie Betts at pick sixteen. Luis Robert, who which apparently is Robert now, that's gone back to that, is uh, just behind him about pick sixteen. Mike Trout, pick seventeen. Starling Marte, twenty-five, and Jordan Alvarez at thirty-two. So another fun group in here. Lou Bob is uh, moving up the ranks these days. Yeah, Lou Bob. Lou Bob's great. I mean. When I take a look at this grouping, uh, Mookie bets. I mean, Mookie's interesting because I think generally speaking, I would be like, hey, Mookie's been like a top guy the last little bit. And he battled through injuries last year. And, you know, so clearly where he's he's falling in drafts, um, although, I mean, he's not falling as much, but he's he's fallen like a, a decent amount in some of the drafts that I've been. And you kind of want to pick him up. But I, ha- I have some concerns about Mookie. Um, I think the biggest concern that I have is just, um, is the, is the power. Um, when you look at him last year, you know, he was battling injuries. So take that for what it's worth, but his, his, he only had 30 barrels last year over the course of the full season. That's 385 batted ball events, 7.8% barrel rate. If you look at his last four years of barrel rates and then max exit velocities, Barrel rates, 13 9.1%, 9.1%, 7.7%, 7.8%. So he hasn't really been, uh, you know, elite when it comes to that uh, really since 2018. And we see like a downward trend there. If you look at his max exit velo over the same course of the years, 110.6, um, So those are also headed in the wrong direction as well. Um, Obviously, like he's in an incredible situation with the Dodgers, you know, depending on where he hits, like I'm sure he'll probably hit second or third with Trey in the lineup now. But if you were to be lead off, he's going to score a ton of runs. Second or third might increase that value a little bit, get him some more RBI. There's questions about the speed as well. You know, in his last three seasons, I mean, he had 16 with Boston and he had 10 last year in his two full seasons. You know, are they continu- going to continue to have him run? Generally speaking, steals are not something that are going to increase. Although last year, maybe the hip injury and the issues that he was fighting through, you know, kind of stifled the the steals a little bit. He did have 10 in that shortened season in, in 2020. But so I'm looking at those pieces. And then from a batting average perspective, you know, he's obviously, you know, really solid, still makes a ton of contact. But, you know, again, like one, one 300 uh, year, two 300 years in the last six seasons for him. So, again, like absolutely solid all around. There's just a few too many holes for me, given like, you know, the ceiling that's that's around him um, uh, a little bit. Uh, with Luis Ro- uh, Robert, um, I really like him a lot. You know, he's a guy that I don't mind drafting in the first round, you know, kind of towards the back end of the first round. That's where he's generally going in drafts. He's the type of guy that I could really see taking that huge leap because he's got everything that you need with the speed um, and with the power. And then with the batting average, we saw the improvements that he had last year when he came back from the injury, um, making um, a lot more contact. He's still got like a wild approach. Um, you know, his O swing is at 44.5%, you know, so that's very wild. And he's not going to recreate that 394, um, Babbitt for that 338 average. But if you look at like the bad X, he's around 283, um, bad X has him for 280, 283, 31 home runs, uh, 13 steals. 
Um, I think on the steals, it could be a little bit, um, could be a little bit light for him. I think, uh, definitely the 20 steals Mark would be something that I'd be looking closer to. Um, just because he's young, he's fast. He was overcoming an injury last year. I'm sure they put a little bit of a damper on that, on those steals. I think he, um, yeah, I want to say he like only had like one steal like in the second half or something like that. Am I right? He had that leg injury, that hip injury, or hamstring, yeah, injury, whatever it was, hamstring injury, hamstring. So he wasn't supposed um, to play the rest of the season, and he came back. I know, and then he came back and won some people, some won some people their league. So I think that comes back with full health. I mean, that's a part of his game. Um, he's talked about that as well in some of the interviews that I've seen. That 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 he definitely still considers that a part of his game. So I could easily see a guy who. Um, uh, you know, the max EV is at 117.7, 27 barrels in just that portion of the season that he played. Um, I can definitely see him being, you know, like that 30 plus home run guy with 20 plus steals with a high batting average. Um, and if he does that in the lineup that he's in, the runs and the RBI are going to be there. And, you know, essentially like we love J Ram because he's a 30, 20 guy. And the batting average is a little suspect. I mean, Robert in a lot of ways, I think has a pretty, not a similar profile in terms of the way they're hitting, but a pretty similar ceiling. And so if he does it this year, then I think he's a top five pick next year. So I do like him um, a decent amount. And then um, Mike Trout, I just can't, I can't do Mike Trout where he's going, even though I know we love him. He's the best player in the world. Uh, in an OBP league, it's a slightly different conversation. Um, but I don't see the steals happening and, you know, the batting average is fine, but the injuries have been mounting. And again, last year's injury is just a little weird where he ended up having the long, he was out for the longest period of time with a calf strain. I think of, of anybody in the last, however many years, um, according to Derek Rhodes uh, uh, injury tracker. Uh, Starling Marte, you know, the steals are great. I think he overperformed a little bit in that department last year, but again, they're so valuable. And the thing is, it's not just about, you know, it's not just about getting steals earlier. It's just about the flexibility that it allows you, um, moving forward in drafts. I mean, I took four in my current DC, I took four straight pitchers to start off the draft and I'm trying to build speed around that. And that is a little bit of a challenge but it's, it's still doable. Like it's still possible, um, to do it. So it's not like, you know, you desperately need speed, but it certainly makes you have a lot more flexibility. Um, if you draft Marte, that being said, you know, a year older injury concerns throughout his career, really. Um, I'm not really, I'm not down with Marte right now with where he's going. And then Alvarez is, is really good too. He's a great hitter. Um, but, Again, th that profile is just not something that I'm as interested in at this point in the draft um, where he's going as well. So, um, yeah, that's my take on those five. Yeah, it's, it's another fun group, of course. That's why they're going so early. And Mookie, it's been a tough one for me because we did that first pitch Arizona draft fresh, like the postseason still going on. I took Mookie at like seven. And that's the only share of Mookie I have right now. Because I even said it when we talked about the recap on this show that I should have taken Kyle Tucker over him at that point. And it's like, I love Mookie. I expect a bounce back, obviously, because things are just rough. That hip injury was the killer for him. Um, the, 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 the stuff you mentioned with the barrels and the, and the max EVs and everything are concerning for sure. He's still super young, though. 
And atop that order, I expect him to still score a ton of runs and be quite productive. But is it enough to have him going over some of these guys? Probably not. Because you mentioned Lou Bob, and I have a ton of shares of Lou Bob. I've uh, taken him at the back end of round one or on the turn in round two. That's because I've been getting so many picks back there. So that I have a lot of Lou Bob shares, and I'm with you. This is a guy that people were debating taking early last year before things went south. And I, yeah, I made the Kyle Tucker comments. You're probably right, actually. Lou Bob could be the guy that jumps even more than Kyle Tucker, potentially, because the steals, I think, differentiates the two, as you mentioned, because Robert has 30-plus homer upside, as you mentioned. But those steals, he could go right past Kyle Tucker. And that's that's big. And can you imagine a potential lineup? And it'll be interesting what, what to see what uh, Uncle Tony decides to do there in Chicago. But you got guys like Tim Anderson and Lou Bob hitting one-two, maybe. That'd be great. That was the thing with uh, Robert was tough because sometimes he did at the top of the order, sometimes he did at the bottom of the order. He was all over the place last year, and that was the kind of frustrating part of it. But if you could have those two up top with you know your your Abreu's, your Eloy's, your Mancadas coming behind him, Grandal, that's a hundred plus runs scored most likely on a lot of green lights to steal bases. Like that's a lot of fun out there on those base paths. So I think Lou Bob is one of those guys for sure, and I'm I'm glad for now that I have a lot of shares like. When you see Ronald Acuna at eight, how do you not see Lou Bob as the same player, if not better? It's it, it's confusing to me at times, but to each their own. Uh, Mike Trout, you nailed it. Like I have zero shares except for an OBP league where I took him at pick uh, 11, I think it was. I was actually happy he fell to me that late because he is like an OBP god outside of like one Soto, basically. So um, I'll run there and find my, my stolen bases elsewhere. So, yeah, I love Trout. Won't be taking him any other places just because – he just doesn't play anymore. Like you can't bake in injuries, but the dude has not played more than like 130 games in like the last four or five seasons. It's it's bad. It's it's really bad with Mike Trout. So no shares for me, and it, it stinks. But uh, Starling Marte, I'm with you. I um, outside of that share, I, um, a share I think in FPS. I think I took him in round two after Mookie Betts. I don't think I have any other shares because the more I dug in on him recently, it's like. We know he had a phenomenal stolen base here. You have to think regression, sure. Going to New York really makes you think regression just because of Buck Showalter. Or not. Yeah. No, it's not Buck. Yeah, it's Buck Showalter. Yeah, yeah, Buck Showalter's tendencies in the past for letting guys steals. Uh, this team is just not a team that's built for stolen bases. But um, the other real big surprising thing that I don't know, maybe a lot of people know it, but I just don't hear it talked about that often. When you look at Starling Marte's repertoire and – you know, he had 12 home runs last year. It's been 12, you know, six in a shortened season, but then 23-20. That was great. Prior to that, 7, 9, 19, 13, 12. Never really been a massive power guy. We saw those 2018-2019. That was great, but that, that decline might be coming some more. Um, he's usually just like a 25-ish stolen base guy, 20 to 30 maybe. But run scored is where you got him because RBIs, he does not help out a ton either. So if he's not getting a ton of home runs, he's not getting a ton of RBIs, you're getting like let's say a three and a half category contributor in round two, and to me, there's a lot of other options in there. Like it could be your SP one if you want to go early reliever, go get Liam Hendricks there. Um, there's other outfielders. There's third Manny Machado. There's uh, situations like that that it's making it harder and harder for me to go with Starling Marte, and it might be as the weak spot for me. Like I told people, if you love Marte's profile, wait around to take Whit Merrifield if that's what you want, because if you really look at their stat lines, there's a lot of similarities. I Marte might have the ceiling, but very similar players, except and they're pretty close in age, too. So um, I like Starling, but I, I, the more I dig in, it's harder for me to go there. 
And then last but not least, the the one I've been really, really starting to want to get more shares of, I think I have one or two maybe, is Jordan Alvarez. And the leagues I do it in are the ones I wait on starting pitchers because you can still get steals in round one and round three per se if you're waiting on pitchers, if you're good on waiting on pitchers. Like Toby's philosophy, obviously, is he's going to be getting a pitcher early, which makes Jordan and getting steals an issue. And that's been pretty pretty documented. But if you're willing to wait on pitching, what Jordan brings to the table with 30-plus homers, 40-plus home run upside, which is not as common as we once saw, he hits for average. I saw some great comparisons recently, and the more I looked at it, it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of similarity in this profile to Vlad Jr., except maybe not the 300 average. But power and everything else, a lot of similarities there, and you're getting them a lot later. So I like Jordan. Don't have a ton of them because, yes, you want steals, you want pitching, whatever. But if you right, you get the right setup, he fits. He definitely fits. So I become more and more interested like because early on in draft season, I just crossed him off. I'm like, I don't want that profile, not doing it. But the more you kind of play, that's the whole point of doing draft and holds and all these things early is to kind of get a feel for your roster construction. He has a great fit. And and the fact he's also outfield eligible this year, last year he was an immediate cross-off because you till only so early. Outfield eligibility helps out a ton with Jordan. So they're a big fan there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The one thing I'll say about Jordan, he did have 67 barrels last year and only 33 home runs. So there's a pretty Ooh. big discrepancy <laughs> there for sure. Uh, my only question with him is just the batting average. Like, I think yeah. it needs to be better than the 270, like kind of 270 ish uh, that he's uh, projected for if, he, if he's going to be no worth that spot. Yeah. Okay. That's very fair. Uh, that's, what's, that's what makes him tricky. That, that for sure. But man, like he could, he's literally one of the potential guys you would be not, you would not be shocked if he hit 50 home runs. And there's not many of those guys anymore. So it's like he stands out in a big, big way for those those means. But then again, still got those bad knees too. So keep an eye on that. Um, 11 through 15, I mentioned him just a second ago. Whit Merrifield picked 34. So he's about 10 picks after Starling Marte. Uh, T. Oscar Hernandez, 34 and a half. Said Mullins is dropping Justin Mason at pick 37. Aaron Mm. Judge at 41. And Byron Buxton sitting strong at 50 with a – uh, a min pick of 34 in the last two weeks. So the Buxton fans are still out there. I'll say that much. But what's your thoughts on 11 through 15? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, I won't kind of go there. I mean, he just compiles year after. Like the, um, you know, the comparison to. Hey, check your mic cord. You keep going in and out. Oh, do I? Yeah. How's this? Is that better? Yeah. Okay. I'm not going. I'm not going to touch the mic cord. There you go. All right. This is going to be difficult. Um, (laughs) So I just I I I always go to the mic cord. Um, So I think it's a good. It's an interesting comparison with Marte because the steals have been uh, fairly similar for the two of them. I would say if you had to lean batting average for one of them, at least from a skills perspective, I'd lean with Merrifield a little bit there. And Merrifield's been kind of the picture of health. Um, and um, and so, you know, for that reason, you know, I think that that's kind of a good comparison. But Wit, I like. There's nothing that's really falling in the profile. He got unlucky with the home runs last year, and so those should bump up a little bit, assuming he can put together the same skills this year. Um, Teoscar, I like as well, um, going, um, going in this range. 
Um, I was not a believer after his initial season. Like I had a ton of him in the season that he kind of broke out in the shortened season. And I was not as I wasn't invested at all last year, but he's shown that he can do it um, repeatedly. He's in a fantastic lineup. He's got the power. He's got the speed. Um, it all works um, uh, pretty well there for Teoscar. Um, for Cedric Mullins, Mullins is interesting because he seems like a guy who, you know, is um, he's he had a really good season. And now everybody's like, ah, well, he's just going to fall backward. But there's a pretty clear reason why he got better. I mean, he switched over to hitting only left handed. I think we're not expecting another 30-30 season. But when you look at every single projection system, every single projection system has him for uh, a 2020 season with more steals. The lowest steals projection he has is 25. And the lowest home runs he has is 21. Uh, the batting average seems a little bit light for me. Um, you know, he should lose a little bit of power, like not get to those 30 home runs, but the Babbitt given his speed at 322, is not, um, abnormally high. So it's, he seems like a guy who's kind of falling and I'm not sure. I'm not just saying this because, because of Justin, but, um, I don't know. I, I just think that, you know, if you are, um, if you start off with two pitchers, I haven't drafted Mullins yet, but if you start off with two pitchers, you know, and Mullins is sitting there, like it's pretty, it's pretty appetizing to get somebody who, who's a, could be a pretty solid five category contributor and where there's pretty good consensus of him being a 2020 guy at this point in the draft. So um, I haven't drafted him yet, but I can see the appeal of Mullins as he kind of slips down, down the draft board a little bit. Aaron judge. I've always struggled with, with Aaron judge. I wish I loved something as much as steamer projections love Aaron judge. Um, but I just, uh, I just, I just, I can't get there and maybe I should, um, because when he's healthy, he's an absolute beast. I think the one challenge is, is the steals aren't necessarily going to be there. Um, the batting average has been pretty solid at 276. But, um, you know, again, like if I'm not going to go after Jordan Alvarez uh, over in, in, a, in a relatively similar spot, I'm probably not going to be going after, um, uh, after, after Judge uh, either. And then with, uh, with Buxton, I mean, if Buxton can just play a full season and that's what we've all been saying. So there's just huge risk with it. And it's not like it's just been, I mean, there's been some freak injuries in there as well, but the combination of kind of like soft tissue injuries, as well as just his aggressive play in the, in the field, um, has been, it, it's doomed him and he's going to be healthy one of these years and he's going to be a league winner. Um, it's just hard to draft him at this spot right now. Um, with all of those concerns out there. Yeah, this is a fun spot. And this is where we start to get, especially the next grouping, but this is the first set of grouping where like we can wait two rounds on some of those early outfielders, start taking these guys. If you're comfortable with like your shortstops or your pitchers or whatever early on and still be fine. It's, it's already showing the depth of the outfield two to three rounds into the draft. And, and it gets pretty good throughout the next you know four or five rounds. But um, Whit Merrifield, we talked about him at second base. I prefer him at second base in the outfield. Very simple. But like I, I said, uh, Starling Marte comp similarities, lots of similarities there. Uh, Marte maybe has a little more power upside. Whit's just he's, – he's doing it just as consistently as Starling to me. So there, there's a few minor differences, and that's probably why he's going 10 picks later. But uh, one thing we do know, Kansas City will run. They will run as much as they want. So that is that as long as he gets on base, he will run. And that's what Witt does very well. So if you want to take Witt, I have zero problem with that. 
Um, but he, I actually don't think I have any shares yet this year, which is quite surprising. The next guy I have a lot of, Teoscar Hernandez, huge fan of Teoscar. Had him two years ago, um, had a little bit of him last year. He's worth every piece. Uh, the 12 steals was great last year. Projection sites all have him for double-digit steals, 30-plus homers. Uh, he hit 296 last year, 289 the year before in the shortened season. But the 230 to 239, I think he's definitely somewhere in between. The projections agree. The 260 to 270 range seems a lot more feasible for T. Oscars. He does he still strike out quite a bit. But um, overall, the dude is an absolute freak. In that lineup, he's going to be great. So there's a lot to like there for sure. So, yeah, zero problems with T. Oscar. I like what you said on Mullins because I like to troll Justin because Justin's fun to troll mm-hmm. and he's very he's good at the give and take of it. He's very trollable. Yes, you know, very trollable. I, I, I think Danielle proves that on a, on a daily basis for us. But um, what I, I've said many times with with Mullins and I had to even text. I was texting Spore because people listen to Sleeper in the Bust, which you probably do if you listen to this show. That uh, I've been brought up a couple times based on a tweet that I made about Cedric Mullins recently. But I sent Spore the tweet because he didn't understand the whole volume of it. And it was saying, if we all keep saying Simeon shouldn't be drafted so early because he's on a career season, then why are we drafting said Mullins so early on a career season? And the fact he's dropping now makes it much more intriguing to draft him, as you were saying. I didn't want him on the one-two turn where things were starting out. That wasn't a part of my plan. Because, yes, he went 30-30. Let's be realistic here. 2020 2025 like i think the steals are very much there like the power 25 homers maybe maybe a little less still great those great numbers phenomenal numbers i think the average might take a bit of a hit and most importantly you never know what baltimore is going to do the supporting cast it's it's already kind of like it's good but not great and it could get worse because they still want to trade more guys so there's just so many questions with baltimore and um i just want to see it again with said but now that he's fallen into round three maybe falls to the back end of round three He's in the conversation for me now, much more in the conversation where I was kind of passing on him early on. Now he's much more interesting. Now he gets in the discussion, said versus Tyler O'Neill, said versus Randy Rosarena, those kind of stolen base kind of power guys. Now you're starting to get conversations that, that make things quite interesting because I never thought he should go ahead of T. Oscar and, and some of those guys. Now he's not. Um, Aaron Judge, love the guy. Um, I understand the concerns. Those have been well documented by a lot of people. Uh, we talked about it, I think, on this show or a different show that um, – he took up yoga before last season. Ah, uh, the yoga him, narrative. Yes, yes. It, it showed. It helped him stay healthy in a big way, and we'll see if it works for year two, but there's a lot to be said about that, and it's another kind of risk-reward thing. Do you want to take the risk? Because his reward is tremendous. I'll never forget writing an article about him a couple years ago about not staying healthy, but, man, that time when he's healthy, legit one of the best hitters in all of baseball. Like, it is ridiculous what he can do at the plate. So, it's a risk reward, and you're getting a little farther away where the risk might be worth, like the juice may be worth the squeeze, as they say. So I don't mind Aaron Judge at all if you want to take that risk. Buxton's an even riskier risk, but has a higher ceiling. Because if you, like said, Mullins 30-30, Buxton could do that almost with his eyes closed if he stayed healthy, at least in the old days. So these are two, between Judge and Buxton, like if you're in an overall competition, big fan of taking a chance here, especially on Buxton. If you're in just a standalone league, I got no problem if you want to say, nope, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait this one out. But the ceiling on these guys is huge, 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 huge. So I, I like I like both of them. I got shares of both. I actually have both of them on my Raz Slam team. Oh, um, wow. So, yeah, because I'm just going for the gusto. Points galore. That. Points galore. And it's, uh, you know, deep, deep benches. So 
let's see what happens. Best ball style. So um, yeah, I like I like them a lot, but there's tons of risk. There's no no sugar coating at all, but big big rewards. All right, sixteen through twenty. This is a section of the draft I, I've sprinkled all throughout my teams. Tyler O'Neill, pick 53. Randy Orzarena, 58. George Springer, 69. Eloy Jimenez, 76. And Nick Castellanos at 78. How are we breaking down this group? Yeah, this is a tough one for me. Um, this has a bunch of guys like I haven't really been sprinkling this throughout. Um, I like Tyler O'Neill, I think, just from a power and speed combination as well as like just as he's a strong defender. So he's going to be in the lineup every day. Um, I think O'Neill is, um, I really like O'Neill a lot. Rosarena, I have one share of, of him so far. I got him in one draft where I kind of needed that, that power speed combo, but I'm not, I'm not as sold on, um, Rosarena. Like we haven't seen the same level of power, you know, 30 barrels last year, um, the 20 home run, Obviously, the 20 steals, and that's really critical, and the batting average has been solid. But I'm still just a little bit skeptical because of the high K rate um, that, like, whether or not, uh, how sustainable it's going to be, as well as just the way that they kind of worked him into that, in, an, in and out of the lineup a little bit um, too much down the stretch there. Um, for me, um, Springer, I mean, Springer checks like every box except for the speed box. You know, he's in a fantastic lineup. Like he just contributes across the board just from a counting stat perspective. He's just, he's massive. Um, cause he's going to hit a hit for a ton of power. Um, he's going to score runs and he's going to get RBI, you know, the batting average and the steals though are his two weakest points. And so for that reason, I, I haven't really found myself, um, grabbing him at all. Eloy is also really interesting to me because, you know, last year I was willing to draft him in the third round, you know, in some drafts. And this year I just haven't been able to do it. And it's totally recency bias and like the injury that he suffered last year. And there's nothing to indicate that he's going to, you know, re-injure that injury. So he should still be the guy. Um, and that's a high batting average, just um, uh, absolute masher. But I, I, I haven't found myself... Um, as interested. And I think one of the things that you, one of the common threads you'll find throughout this is just like, I am really looking at this point in the draft. There's so, as the draft goes on, there's fewer and fewer guys who can provide you with speed and can without too many warts. And so if you're going to build a team that's especially like starting or pitcher heavy, you know, then if you're not grabbing guys with steals here or guys with elite batting average, but really like guys with steals in an overall competition, then it makes your job really, really difficult. You're already making it difficult by going starting pitching heavy or pitching heavy. It makes it incredibly difficult um, when, you know, when you then don't start <laughs> drafting steals, you know, so a little bit of is just my like own perspective. Um you know, but I just haven't been able to, I haven't been able to grab him. And then Castellanos, like I have, uh, honestly, like, you know, JD Martinez is going, um, yeah, bingo. you know, however many picks later, he's five, five guys later on our list. But I mean, what's the difference between Nick Castellanos and, uh, JD Martinez, other than the fact that JD Martinez has done it a lot more times than Nick Castellanos has done it. Um, there's just, it just, he, and he also benefited tremendously Ballpark. from, 
from the home park. We talked about it before, so I won't go into too much depth, but his home road splits were ridiculous. Um, and so I'm not so sure that he doesn't lose a ton of pop depending on where, um, he ends up. And then like, if he's not hitting like 35 home runs and he's just hitting high twenties or mid twenties, like what's the difference between Nick Castellanos and your boy, Trey Mancini? Like, is there a huge, is there a huge difference? What's the difference between Nick Castellanos and Chris Bryant? God, well, he's not Chris <laughs> Bryant. No. Um, so yeah, so generally, like I'm not really in that much on this area. I like Tyler O'Neill. I like Randy Arozarena a little bit because they provide that speed. But um, I'm uh yeah, I don't like those those last three. I'm not really in on them just because of team build reasons, not because I think they're bad. That's why I'm glad you mentioned that because I needed to start drafting more with Toby. I think I'm in like two drafts with you. I need more because Gosh, we have we need di- to. Yeah. We have different. Uh, like I don't mind going pitchers early. I will at times. I haven't yet this year. I really haven't, and so that's why I think I like this range so much because I either go Tyler O'Neill, who I think is legit. Um, I know I, I have a tendency for liking these guys that swing and miss a ton, but I I keep telling myself and again it could be fool's gold, but it's kind of the way things are going. That's just the way baseball is these days. Like I, I guess it's not maybe the best analysis, but uh, and the batting average could suffer, but I think the power and the speed is still going to be there. Like, it's going to be there. It's going to hit in the middle of that St. Louis lineup, which is going to be still very good with Arenado and Goldie and Edmund will get on base. Like, Tyler knows going to be very good, even if he strikes out 30 to 35% of the time. Like, he's still going to be very, very good. And that's just what these guys do these days. And could their cliff, their cliff might have a larger fall than others? That is true. But I think at their age and what we're seeing, I think it's going to be just fine and uh, and go from there. So I like Tyler O'Neill. I love Randy Rosarena still. I think it's one of those, like you mentioned it was with uh, Eloy, and I agree with this. Rosarena was going a lot higher last year too, a lot higher last year. So it's another one of those deals. And I think he still can get the 2020 from a guy like uh, Randy Rosarena that we were talking about last year. He's not that far removed from like monster numbers. He had 2020 last year for crying out loud. With 94 runs scored in 141 games, hit 274. Projections have him for 2020. At least the, the Bad X has him 2217. ATC 2319. Um, you know, only a 260 ish average, which I think he's going to hit for a better average because he has in every season he's been in the big leagues. And the power and the speed thing is very, very legit with Randy Rosarena. The, uh, yes, the Rays can always platoon things. It's an issue, but he still played 140 games. That's not a massive platoon if I've ever seen one myself and Austin Meadows is getting worse and worse. So I think, um, a Rosa Reina is going to get his fair shake of things. And I like him quite a bit back here. If you're looking for speed, I think he's a really, really good one. He's been falling too. Cause for a while he was going in that grouping beforehand and he's, he's fallen quite a bit. So I have a lot of O'Neill, have a lot of a Rosa Reina to really pack on the steals before I start getting my pitcher run going on. Uh, George Springer have been buying more and more into him. The more I look, the biggest concern Injury. The guy has had, he was really, really banged up last year, really never got healthy. It's like, did he come back early or what? I don't know. But prior to that, you know, 51 games in the 60 game season, 122, 140, 140. Hasn't really been a full go since 2016. That's the only time he's been a full go. So you got to keep that in mind. But great OBP skills, doesn't strike out a ton, got 25 plus home run power. All the projections over 30 plus. Just not going to steal a ton. But if he's leading off for, um, for Toronto, you're talking about some massive numbers there. So he's, again, a risk just because of his his health concerns. So it's like, do you want to take a risk with Springer or Aaron Judge? 
what do you want to do? I think Judge has the higher ceiling, but you never know. If you want to wait and take the same similar risk, uh, Springer's interesting. So I like him. Eloy, like him as well. I think there's a lot to like there. You mentioned he was like a second, third round pick last year. I think people are forgetting that. He should be completely healthy um, in a great lineup. I think that's one of the better steals of the draft if you're good with steals. So make sure you're good there because I think Eloy is going to have a, a huge, huge season. Just is not going to run, but bad average, will be, he'll be a four-category guy for you. He, he, I think people sleep on how good his bad average can be. He's actually a very, very good hitter. So I like Eloy a lot. Casty's the only one I have zero shares of. Zero shares of Casty because of where is he playing? I am seriously concerned about that. I usually don't care that much. Like Javi Baez, I'm still cool with Detroit. This is what it is. Um, Casty, I'm terrified. We saw his time with Detroit. Blew up in Chicago, or really blew up in Cincinnati. There's rumors of the Giants. There's rumors of some other places that kind of scare me. So it's it's a it, it could be a false concern. Maybe he's a value right now because he signed somewhere great. Who knows? But with all the other options around him, I'll pass. I'll, I'll take the uh, the high road on this one and go somewhere else. But I like this range a lot. You got some steals, guys. You got some great other four category type contributors here. Really solid outfield options if you if you need to go that route. All right, 21 through 25, Tommy Edmond at 79, Cattell Marte at 90, Dalton Varsho at 94, Cody Bellinger at 98, and the aforementioned J.D. Martinez at 99, which gives us 25 outfielders in the top 100, Toby. Yeah. Um, he, you know, the first two guys, like Edmond and Marte, we've, we've discussed them a lot um, on the second base preview, so I won't go into depth. Um, I like both of those guys. Uh, I like Varsho a lot, but you're probably not going to use him in your outfield spot at all um, this year. So thinking about him from an outfield perspective um, doesn't make a ton of sense, but as a catcher, um, for sure. You know, with Belly, I don't have any shares of Belly yet. Um, When I think about, like, it could be great, but he's just, he's such a tinkerer, you know? I have and well. the injuries have bothered him now for for a while. Um, I just haven't I haven't done it yet. Um, uh, I know that like a lot of people compare like kind of Belly and Yelich. I think if I had to choose one of those guys, I'd probably go with Belly, mm-hmm. um, just because of um, uh, position. Uh, he's first base eligible still, right? has had him here give me a second no he's not outfield only he's not he's outfield only that's big that's big wow that's pretty big i should know that but geez that's disgusting (laughs) holy cow um forget about it nothing to do with him anymore yeah i mean then he becomes a lot less interesting well i'll say this much he could be one of those guys if you're planning ahead he'll probably gain first base with muncie's injury May, yeah, I, could I, I could see, I could see Bell again. This is where spring training would be nice because maybe yeah. you'd see Belly taking some reps. I wouldn't be shocked if we see Bellinger return to some first base action. Yeah, because I don't know who else they'd play there. Really, off the top of my head, I'd have to like really dig into their roster. But he seems like an easy fit to slide over there, and then he could put consistently Taylor, Pollock, and maybe even Lux in the outfield or something. Like there's bets, like there, there's that way you can get Lux in the lineup every day, basically. Yeah, just an idea. Yeah, for sure. Well, if that's the case, I mean, he's a little bit more interesting. But the thing about Belly is, you know, he had that one season in 2019. But even in that season, his first half, he hit 331. The second half, he hit 260. So 
you know, that season looks like a massive outlier. And if that season is a massive outlier, you know, then you're looking at the the ceiling being like, you know, or the likely batting average being under 260, because that seems like, you know, in every other half of baseball, he's essentially, you know, two full seasons, you know, it's, it's been around 260. So, you know, I just don't see it at being that interesting of a profile, especially without the first base eligibility. Cause that's one of the biggest things was, you know, his ability to steal bases as a first baseman slash corner infielder, as well as the position flexibility. So I'm, I'm not as into belly, um, as I was coming into this podcast for that reason, but I still don't have any shares. He's a tinkerer. I don't think he's necessarily going to be like a, a league winner necessarily knock on wood, you know, or whatever. He can do that if he wants to. Um, yeah, I just, I'm, I just can't, I can't pull it off. There's too many, there's too much. There's not a good enough batting average older. Didn't even steal bases last year. Injuries, tinkering, all of those things. I'm staying away. JD Martinez is a little bit interesting. In my current draft, actually, I'm a little bummed that I didn't, um, you know how drafts develop. Like you're kind of like, oh, you know, like I drafted, I really wanted to get a share of Verlander, you know? Um, and so I grabbed Verlander instead of JD Martinez in this draft. And then it's like Nate Ovaldi went at like pick 150 or something like that. And I was like, why on earth? <laughs> what? What? I would have had so many shots at this guy. But um, uh, JD Martinez, I mean, he's been uh, he's been really solid. This the lack of speed again is a reason why I'm generally not as interested. But I do have him in at least one league, um, and you know the batting average has been there. 2020 looks like the clear outlier. Like the batting average, the power. He's in a really good lineup. You know, he's got uh, 600 plus plate appearances in three of the last four years. Um, he even had 237 in that 2020, so he's been healthy. He's got outfield eligibility this year, so he's he's he. I don't mind him at all, right there. Um, especially if you need like power and batting average uh, based on how you build in your foundation. So I, I like I like JD. Yeah, um, yeah. We talked about Edmund. We talked about Marte. Second base options probably not the outfield if you want them. A little bit of speed there with Edmund. That's what you're going for. Um, Varsho, I've expressed my love for Varsho many times, but as you said, catcher, not outfielder. Uh, but I love Varsho. If anybody was curious, still love him. Um, but Belly, I'm with you 100%. Like, I have zero Belly. Like, Vlad Sedler is a genius, a very smart man, great fantasy player. I respect his opinion. I still can't get behind Bellinger, and he loves Belly. He loves him for a bounce back. I can't do it. There's like certain guys I'm okay being wrong on. I'll be, I'll be wrong on Belly. Um, I'll, I'll, I have, I wrote down a comparison. I'll wait until we talk about a few more players before I start comparing guys I take instead of belly type situations. But, um, if he were to gain first base is at least intriguing. And I think he will, but, uh, that's still kind of hoping. And then you're, are you going to waste a pick there and find out it's tough. So yeah, no belly for me. And I like JD. I like him a lot. I think that lineup's still very good for Dugo gets on base a ton. Devers uh bogarts and company so i, I think it's a, a uh, enrique hernandez lots of good pieces there in front of jd we saw him kind of pick things up again last year after kind of a slow you know 2020 for the standards we expect from jd martinez um never gonna run that's way in the past but uh, the power is legit the, the rbis are insane like as you get deeper in the draft it's harder to find 100 rbi guys he's definitely still one of them which is is really really good when you're looking at categories because i don't think we 
people talk about RBIs as much as we should, runs RBIs and whatnot. So um, I think JD's great in that regard, as, as you mentioned. So he's pretty much the only guy outfield wise I want in this group. I'll have a ton of our show, of course, but uh, JD be the only one here that I would be focusing on. All right, 26 through 30. We got Brian Reynolds at pick 100, Christian Yelich at pick 101, Giancarlo Stanton at 109, Chris Bryant, uh, 110, and Jesse Winker at 116. Some interesting names here. Now it's getting a little more fun. Not as many, I guess, obvious choices, but some pretty interesting ones. So what do you like in this one? Yeah, I like Brian Reynolds a lot. I've got a couple um, shares of him. You know, the batting average is is really nice. Um, you know, he showed a lot more power last year, 4.46, um, barrels, uh, last year, 10.4%. Um, he only had 24 home runs from those 46 barrels. So I think there's a little bit more pop there. He's also pretty fast. Um, he added those five steals. So, you know, I wouldn't expect anything more than that, but he's a really, really solid, just all around guy. I think 2020 was clearly the outlier when it came from that. And, and I mean, there were signs last year. Um, you know, like he had in 2020, like he had a higher barrel rate, like there was just a lot of bad luck going on there and not enough time for him to turn it around. So I like Reynolds a lot. He's a guy that I get in this area, even though he doesn't have a ton of speed, the batting average is good enough where, um, I feel pretty good about, um, I feel decent about snagging him. Yelich. I haven't been able to get behind Yelich. Um, you know, the, the projections tell me that I should like him, but the injuries, the back, the ground ball rate, the continued struggles now for a year and a half. I just, I haven't been able to get there. Uh, do you know if Giancarlo Stanton is, is doing yoga? Uh, I believe they both are. Yes. Him and, They're him both and doing Judge. yoga. So that, that explains his that, season. That gives year. a little bit of a boost to Stanton. Um, but again, I'm set. I'm like a broken record. Um, no steals. Uh, yeah, there's there's no steals. There's really and no he was healthy last range. year. <laughs> he hit those 35 home runs. Like his his batting average isn't even going to hurt you that much. Mm-hmm. But I just can't I can't get there um with Stanton. I just can't go after this type of a profile um at this point because it's really like I don't know, like two categories, like home runs and RBI, maybe a little bit of batting average there, but his run totals, he's only had two years where the run totals were decent. Um, he's not stealing bases at all. He, despite the yoga that doesn't seem to be helping him. So I haven't been able to get there. I think the projections also tell me I should like him as well. So, well, he's, he's, he's a zero. So he's right where he should be going. Um, and then Chris Bryant is Chris Bryant. We talked about him in third base. Uh, he should probably be going after pick 400 Chris Bryant. Um, just kidding him and him and Kevin Biggio. Uh, would make a really great infield somewhere on a team I don't like. That would be really bad. Uh, Jesse Winker um, is fine. He's good batting average-wise. But I feel like health is an issue for him. Am I making that up? No, it is. He played 110 last year. He played 54 in 2020, but 113 is the most he's ever played. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it looks beautiful, but... Yeah, exactly. The 485 plate appearances is the most Given, that he's ever I will reached. say, I don't know if it's all injury-based. He was in like a platoon for a, a few of those years. I know he was like strong side of the platoon, but yeah. he hasn't like he hasn't shown yet that he can do that yeah. daily grind, you know, throughout the course yeah. of a full season. So 
I don't necessarily think I can get that behind it. You know, there's no steals. They is the batting average, you know, which is really nice. And I loved Jesse Winker when he was like a rookie and like in 2017 and 2018, I loved him, but, um, I'm just not sure he's ever going to become, you know, Joey Votto, um, junior. He's, so, got the, he's got the OBP skills to be Joey Votto Jr. He does. He That's does. Sure. I mean, but he's a very good. Tough. Yeah, he's a very good. He's a very good player. But again, like around here, I mean, the biggest thing for me with all these guys, I'm saying like, no, thank you. No, thank you. Even though they're like good players and, you know, there's there's statistical contribution is going to be pretty, you know, it could be pretty strong is I just don't see them being that much better than guys that are going later like you know with a lot of these guys like i don't know where's fran mill going he's a like i know only. he's i know he's not i know he's u2 till only but like he's kind of the same as like a lot of these guys right i, I don't even like fran mill but um you know he's he and he's going later on like these guys are a diamond like joey Votto is is all these guys you know like he's doing all these things and he's going later and he's he's at first base like i could just scroll through here and you know, um, point out dudes but, who are, but you have to start, you have guys. to start five outfielders, Toby. I know like Hunter Renfro, Hunter Renfro can do these things that these people are doing. Not the same average though. I mean, don't sell him, don't sell him short, but yeah, I mean, I guess not with like Winker, right. Yeah. But he's also going to hit like 10 more home runs probably than Winker's going to hit. And he's been able to be healthy throughout the full season. And he's a good defensive outfielder. So he's probably going to play all the time. So, I mean, it's all just to say, like, it's all just like which profiles are available. And a lot of the pro profiles that are available here are just kind of like, I mean, he's a good player, but it's not really something that I'm super interested in having on my team. I'm also a terrible drafter, though. So <laughs> that, that would be another reason not to listen to me at all. Oh, man. Yeah, he's a terrible, guys. He's so and bad. And my at this. clear bias against Chris Bryant, too. I mean, God, Pat, after pick. After ADP 400, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I would, I, I would, I would double tap Kevin Biggio and uh, Chris Bryant though in like rounds. I don't know, like 27 and you know, 27, 28 turn. Yeah. They'll be hanging around. One of them yeah. will be for sure. So you got for that sure. going for you. Um, for me in this range, I do like Brian Reynolds. To me, it's like in reality, if you look at it, Reynolds and Winker, there's a lot in common there. Both make mid-20s power, both hit around 300. If, just if, it's speculating because it doesn't happen, if Winker can play like 140 and maybe the DH helps with that, that could be something. Um, we could see like 30-plus, 35-plus in that ballpark because he's got that insane power in like 100 games, and that could be a, a differentiating factor. Like Reynolds will probably steal five more bases than Winker, but that power is pretty darn legit. So I have some shares of Winker. Like I'm, I'm, I'm – playing for the ceiling with winker very very aware that that might fall short but uh i think there is, is another layer there with winker hopefully we can actually get him to stay on the field that'd be a big plus but uh, i like reynolds no problem with reynolds either um i'm just the pirates concern me concern me a ton so like who, who's getting traded next is the question it might be brian reynolds for all we know so um that one concerns me no yellow for me none at all no chris bryant for me we talked about that gene Cardo's interesting um, we talked Belly, we talked Yelich. I'd rather have Stanton over both of them. I think, like, and if you look at their overall like stat lines and everything, a lot of similarities there. But 
Stanton, that 279 average, you know, the average, the average batting average in baseball last year was 245, 244 the year before. So he's well above it. As average continues to drop, he is not sucking your, your batting average. He's going to hit for power. Even though he has short seasons, he still has 27 to 30 homers, which you're drafting him for more, but he's not killing you in that department. And hopefully the replacement value is good too. So I, I don't mind standing late. Um, I, I'd rather have, I'd, I'd honestly rather take a chance on Winker potentially, which maybe sounds just completely foolish, but I think his, his upside's really, really strong, but he hasn't put it together. So um, for me, it's pretty much Stanton and Winker with some Reynolds in this range. Um, not the, like I, I liked the uh, previous ranges a little more, not as in love with this one, but uh, definitely some pieces to go for. I think Winker is the only one I've rostered so far at this point in time. All right, Toby, let's do uh, let's do the 31 through 35 here. Let's have a oh, little Oh man, we're going to go for it. Yeah, let's do it. do it. We're, we're, we're doing we're right. doing good tonight. So let's go a little farther here. Keeping it uh, down, keeping the keeping the the chitter chatter to beautiful. a minimum here. And we have no listener questions, so we can roll we, a little more. We have Listeners no listener questions and you know, we're just like it's not like our other episodes. I mean, we're just going player through player, yep. through player through we're player rolling. like nonstop. And speaking of nonstop, pick 31 at pick ADP 118 and a half. This is one, if Toby's waiting on steals, this is his guy. So Miles Straw, uh, Mitch Hanniger at 122, Ryan Mountcastle at 125, Jared Kalinick at 126, and Kyle Schwarber at 135. So how many Miles Straw shares do you have? I have zero shares of Miles Straw, (laughs) Bubba. How dare you (laughs) insinuate that I would draft Miles Straw? Uh, no, um, there's just uh, there's just not enough power from there's Miles not Straw. Lot, there's not enough a lot of things in that profile. Yeah, <laughs> uh, honestly though, uh, in the in the debate over like is Miles Straw Malik Smith, you know, it's like um, <laughs> it's a fun debate. Uh, he's not. I mean, I think that I think that Miles Straw is probably going to play and be pretty good. I just think it's with the power being so light. Like just so light. I mean, you're talking like, what is he projected for? Probably five home runs, something like yeah, that. I don't have four, it in front of four. me. I got it right here. I just had it. Uh, he's projected for. I, I think he hit four. He had, four. I think, four I, think he, I think he had four. He had, he had four, four last home year. runs. He's projected he like, for four. He had yeah. six barrels Ooh, in 448 good. batted ball events. That's yeah. So three percent. I just can't get there with that. I just can't get there with that. Like it's Billy Hamilton esque. It is, but I mean, but he's he's good. Like he makes a ton of contact. He's got really good plate discipline, so he gets on base. So he does a lot of those things. But I just like the RBI are going to hurt you. The home runs are going to hurt you. You know, the batting average hasn't been that good. So maybe if you're a super power heavy guy, but the minute you start drafting guys like this to plug it in, then you become so unbalanced and you're so vulnerable to injuries or miles straw not being that good or being dropped in the lineup you know and the ops stuff and all that stuff like makes sense to me but he's actually like a decent obp guy 349 obp they don't the slugging is kind of like it's not irrelevant generally but like they are not they're not hitting him first so that he can hit home runs you know they're like they want him to get on base and he's been doing a really good job of that. And he's got a lot of speed. And so for that reason, like, I think he's, I think he's fine, but,
but guys like this just result in really unbalanced teams. And I don't want to do that to myself. The reason I'm drafting steals earlier on is so instead of drafting Miles Straw, I can draft one of the other outfielders that's got a really balanced profile here in the middle rounds. Or, you know, I can draft, you know, like uh, Cabrian Hayes, like we talked about last week, or, you know, just so many other guys that I'd rather draft than Miles Straw. Um, you know, like I might even draft uh, Chris Bryant before Miles. <laughs> and Straw, that says honestly. it all, folks. That's no, it like, all. I mean, DJ Milmay is there, like Wilson you. Contreras is there. I'm arguing with myself right now. Yeah. Dansby Swanson's there, Jesse Winker, we just talked about. Like, there's some really good baseball players that can contribute in more than two cat two and a, and a half categories you can find two and a half category guys about 200 picks later yeah sorry as you were there's four no i mean totally <laughs> oh I, I i i i thought i was done just after yeah. miles stride and you didn't realize i had to talk to anybody else um i don't have any of the next four guys mitch hanniger ryan mountcastle jared kelnick and kyle schwarber i mean hanniger has fallen and i've been very close to getting him but, um, you know, again, like I'm not trying to be a broken <laughs> record here, but, you know, he's one of these guys. Um, he was hitting two, yeah, 250, 30 home runs, you know, a nice runs in RBI because he's in a nice spot in the lineup. But like last year was like the perfect year for Mitch Hanniger, right? He was totally healthy. He got close to 700 plate appearances. He hit a, a huge amount of home runs. He got a lot of runs. He got a lot of RBI. You know, he's not probably going to get to the same number of plate appearances this year. Um, and he needed all those plate appearances to get there. And I love that line. And if that was the line, it would be great. But there are other guys who are, who are hitting like 230 with 30 home runs and 80, 80 runs in RBI going later on that I feel decent about getting later on instead of grabbing him here. So I don't get him either um, here. Um, Mountcastle. Uh, Mountcastle is interesting. I think um, he's got the dual position eligibility. He's obviously going to be hurt a little bit uh, by the movement of the walls um, that has taken place in the, in the off season. Um, he's got pop though, you know, 33 home runs, 45 barrels. So like a little bit of luck there, but again, like, you know, what is his profile? It's like the same thing. Like who's better Ryan Mountcastle or Trey Mancini, honestly, like, I don't know, straight up. I'd probably, I don't know, Trey Mancini I'd, might want more. Um, so again, like there's just so much just like blah, like just the same profile of all these guys for the next, hundred picks. Um, and I don't mean to be to, you know, each one of these people is an individual and, uh, deserve to be treated as such, but they all kind of uh, fall together. Kelnick is a little bit more difficult for me because I can definitely see him. He's got the prospect pedigree. He can make that jump. You know, he makes that kind of non-linear jump. He was much better in September last year than he was, um, throughout the rest of the season. But I still think there are there's going to be issues with the batting average, um, you know, especially like I think his BABIP was super low, right? Because the the problem is, is like you know they're going to shift him, 
and he's going to hit into the shift a lot. He's going to lose a lot to that. Um, at least that's my, that's my analysis and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. 216 BABIP. Um, and not quite enough power. I don't think 23 barrels. Uh, that's, that's decent. That's okay for the 14 home runs. So you can definitely see like the 2010 happening, but I worry about what that batting average is going to be. Like, what is that batting average suck going to be? And there's just like other guys with relatively, you know, similar profiles going later on that we'll probably talk about next week, you know, that, uh, that I don't have the same level of batting average concerns for, or like, what's the difference between him and like, uh, Robbie Grossman, you know, um, going, going later on, like Grossman may even steal more bases than he does. And we'll probably bat first in that lineup. Um, and as a switch hitter, so there's just, uh, there's just too much and I'll probably, you know, he'll probably blow up and I'll be putting out shame tweets about him for <laughs> all of next year because of his non-linear development. Kyle Schwarber's really good, but again, um, and like the one thing I like about Schwarber is I feel like he's really close to like also just being, I think he's just like a good hitter and the batting average hasn't been awful, right? It wasn't awful last year. No, it wasn't Let's too see. bad. At 266. Yeah. So it's not like the same, you know, 211, 238, 188 type sinkholes that it's been. But again, like, I don't think this profile is super, uh, is super special. Um, yeah. Again, I'm sorry yeah, to be I, a broken record to everybody, but like these guys are all a dime a dozen to me. It, it is a range that I'm not a big fan of either. Miles Straw, I want zero things to do with. I'm just not doing it. I'm not paying for uh, steals. I'll, I'll, I draft that elsewhere. So no Miles Straw for me. Like, do you want that content? Go to Twitter. People love him. Uh, Mitch Hanniger is interesting, but still the batting average does concern me. Not running like we'd like Mitch Hanniger to do. He ran really well when it came to home runs last year, which was great. Stayed healthy last year, which was great. Um, still some concerns for me, so I'll pass on that one. I do have some Ryan Mountcastle. The eligibility is a big plus for me, first base and outfield. That's a big kicker, so that, that helps out a lot, especially these DC-type drafts, not so much maybe in the um, the regular fab-type leagues. He still has that close to 30 home run power, even the projections after they factored in the shift in the outfield. Still has him like anywhere from like 28 to 31 homers, which is pretty solid. He'll still get a couple bags, nothing great, but – so he's good. He's not great, like you said. Like Mancini's there. There's other guys. So he's not like a must draft at that point. So again, this is why I wait on pitching. I get my pitching around this point in the draft. It's just kind of the way I've been doing things. Um, no Jared Kalinick for me. If I'm going to take a chance on some um, bounce back prospects, Jaron Duran, Joe Adele, those are guys later in the draft I'll go take chances on. Not a big Kalinick guy. Uh, and then last but not least, Schwarber. I do like Schwarber. I liked him when he used to be like 100 picks later. <laughs> this new shore is kind of not the same. Plus, we don't know where he's playing, and that's big. That's real big. We have no idea. He'll likely DH somewhere. The National is going to love him. So maybe he goes back to Washington. Who knows? Things were fun there. Um, so I don't mind if like you're if you feel like you're short on power because you sold out for other stuff. I think he's he's interesting. He's very interesting. He's got that 35 plus home run upside with with shore bombs. But um, this is a group I have like none of none of at all. So it's a, a really, really tough spot for me uh, in this like 31 through 35 range of the outfield. All right, we'll wrap it up there, Toby. And we have one listener question. James DeViglio has a question. Eddie Rosario, are you drafting him this year? His ADP is 175 right now. And where do you think he ends up playing? 
Yeah, I have I I have one or two shares I think so far this year um of Eddie Rosario. Um I I I like Eddie a lot. Um I don't know, I could see him ending up in Atlanta, you know. Yeah, I mean obviously he fits in there really well. He's kind of a cult hero now because of what he was able to do in the playoffs for them. If they get rid of if Freddie doesn't come back, you know, then um that's another slot in the lineup where or they could not, not that they're going to put him at first base, but that's just another slot in the lineup where he could kind of fit in as a power left-handed bat. Um, you know, you could see him hitting uh, third, fourth, whatever um, in that lineup and being a real force. I haven't drafted him recently, partially because of the uncertainty um, and partially, I don't, I don't know why, because of other players that I'm going after, I think in this, in this range, but I do like him it happens every single year where I'm like, Oh, I should draft Eddie Rosario while he's at pick 175 before he gets signed because he's going to hit for a good average, decent power and steal 10 bases. And then I'm like, but I don't know where he's going to be. And then it's like two months later, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to draft Eddie Rosario at pick 125 because he hits for average 20 plus homers and 10 stolen bases. Um, so um, yeah, maybe I should draft him in my current draft right now. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that. Um, but I, I don't mind drafting Eddie at all. Again, it's the uncertainty and that's one of the challenges. I mean, you know, that, that's one of the things that gets so tired, tired about these DC drafts is like, um, we're just working with incomplete information and the drafts that we have when the regular season rolls around are going to be very different because we'll have a lot more information, hopefully at our disposal. Yeah, that's kind of why I've slowed down the the DC parts. I did like a fifty last week, and I'm doing these other drafts. But it's uh, usually we have moving ADP by now because of spring training news or something. But it's just been stale for like two months, and it's made it kind of tough to kind of get a feel on things. So I agree, Eddie Rosario. Once he signs somewhere, unless it's like really bad for some reason, he's moving up. He's moving up for sure because. The profile you mentioned is something you've been looking for, and he's going to contribute pretty much in five-ish categories. Like runs and RBIs are kind of low, but those are in like if he plays like one forty plus, which he could do, those will be fine. Average is good, you know, eight to ten steals is is fine. Twenty-five plus home runs, like he's going to help you a little bit everywhere on like a lot of these guys we've been talking about for the last half hour probably. So he really should skyrocket up some some rankings if you want to uh, to jump on him now. Um, one, one thing I'd say about him is he's the type of guy that, um, like in your TGFBI drafts that you, you'd want to take yes. because it's you can draft him. him. And then if the situation isn't ideal, you have a waiver wire to go to, you know, yep. whereas when these draft champions, like it's really hard, it seems ridiculous to be like, Oh, I don't want to waste like pick 175 or something, but like there are good players around pick 175 yep. and it's like That's on my bench, like I'm going to have four or five outfielders. And probably two or three of them have some question marks around their playing time. And so that becomes a very small window you've just created for yourself to, um, to get a lot of plate appearances from your outfield, which is the name of the game. Whereas in TGFBI, then you just kind of like move on from it, you know, or um, if, if you're in a, um, uh, a waiver wire league. And you also get to look forward to the gifts of uh, Eddie the fire eagle. Yeah, the fire eagle. I mean, that in and of itself is worth the price of admission, right? 
Yeah, and this is why it's tough to take him right now because you got guys like Ben Intendi, similar stat profile, Robbie Grossman, who we've talked about, Adelise Garcia, uh, who you don't really like, but some do. Um, I'm not a big fan either. But like Alex Karloff, Ian Happ, you, there, there's arguments to be made at least, but especially that Ben Intendi Grossman combo there. I've been finding myself flocked to them more than Rosario. So that, that makes it tough, but I would definitely like if you like him, take him now because he's going to be a lot pricier uh, in the coming weeks whenever that happens. And where he signs, that's the fun part. Like the Giants could use him. The A's could use him. Um, those would both stink. The Rockies could technically find a way to use him if they really wanted to. That could be interesting. Uh, the Reds could use him if they wanted to take his, have him out there instead of Casty. That could be an option. Like I think in the end he's going to find something good. Let's put it that way. I'm not too concerned about that. But all right, Toby, we're going to wrap it up there. We went 1 through 35. We'll hit 30 to 40 more next week. We'll see where things take us. But uh, final thoughts on this front half of uh, outfielders we've discussed. Yeah, like a few guys I like. A lot of, a lot of them I don't, I guess. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing the ones you like on the next episode. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, do what you will with that outfield. There's some flexibility <laughs> there. Draft guys who are doing yoga. That would be my yes, yoga, my best the yoga chance. narrative. Dra- draft the yoga narrative. Yoga narrative runs strong, runs strong on this podcast. But uh, we'll be back with you guys next week again, talking outfielders part two. See where it takes us. Get your listener questions coming in hot and heavy. Get those for us, and we'll make it happen for you. But until next time, Toby's on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I'm at BDNTrick. This is Bub and the BatFlip, episode 114, your fantasy outfield preview part one. Catch you all later. That's going to wrap us up for episode 210 of the podcast and edition number 114 of Bubba and the Batflip. Uh, that was a that was a fun one, but it was kind of exhausting too, just going through like 35 players just uh, straight. A little bit different than our usual preview episodes, but hope you were able to take uh, take something out of those and, and hope they were helpful. Um, outside of knowing just how many of those outfielders, I guess I dislike. I didn't I didn't realize how many I disliked um, heading into the podcast, I guess. But um, anyways, uh, thanks so much for listening. As always, best of luck with your fantasy baseball research. Take care and be kind to one another.